Hey, hey, this is Johnny Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. I have Adam Conley with me today. Adam Conley from Beer Hippies, Modern Vultures, Bone Naked. Who else plays uh, in here and there? All right, and we you're listening to Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan, and we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash, and we have a special guest with us. Who's our special our guest? Our friend, Blake Fissing. <laughs> Welcome, Blake. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, we are going to... Let, let's play a, um, a song from uh, Blake's uh, former band, or, well, a, a band that Blake is was involved in called uh, Gateway Rugs. And uh heard a little bit of that at the beginning, but I'm going to play the whole thing now. And here we go. Gateway Rugs, Nothing to Hide. Thank you. 
That was Gateway Rugs with Nothing to Hide. That was uh, Blake on vocals and guitar. Uh, who else was in that band with you, Blake? Uh, so let's see. The The drummer was a good friend of mine. His name is Asher Igra. Um, and the bass player was Dustin Lau, who I think has been on the show before. Yeah, that's right. We had Dustin on an early show. Yeah. And then uh, the other guitar player was uh, uh, another really good friend of mine, uh, Drew Frazier is his name. Oh, cool. Uh, So, Blake, you uh, uh, live in the area, and you've been playing. When did you start playing uh, musical instruments? And so I'd say the first time that I picked up a guitar, or, you know, let's put it this way. The first time I begged my parents for a guitar was when I was five. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so... And I got one. I was, you know, lucky enough to have those supportive music parents. And um, they they got me a guitar, and then, of course, I went to get some lessons and um, did your your classic uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and, you know, all the hits. Uh-huh. Um, so but you started I, on the guitar, not a I piano did. or I did. violin. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, no, I had a, a Squire electric guitar, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Small neck for a children's size and... Yeah. So I oh, the to, the kid kit. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right. Uh, so I got to. I started with that, but um, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't diving straight into Rolling Stone songs like I would have liked. I was going, right. <laughs> you right. know. I well, think, were uh, you really five years old at the time you first started taking lessons? Yeah, I think I was. Oh, I think man. I was five and five and six, maybe right around there. Um, I didn't stick with it. I wish that sure. I would have played. Right. You know, been guitar from then on out i probably got away from it after maybe six months or a year or so yeah and uh you know because how many times because you're five or six you know you're not like uh that focused on on learning and (laughs) and and uh practicing that must have been right so we i mean i i probably picked it back up uh with a with a real interest and 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 kept with it when I was about eleven, I'd say eleven ish, 
uh, still very early i would say yeah yeah still pretty young <laughs> still pretty young but um yeah that was that was when i i got a um i had a guitar teacher and and my mom tells this story endlessly um there was the first time that he and i got together he was the kind of guy that came to your house you know he did it sure, as a side gig sure. or whatever he was a bit of a strange guy but he <laughs> those uh, dudes always are you know <laughs> he uh he was like the first lesson he like we had the guitar and he just asked me he was like you know what kind of things do you like what do you listen to what do you want to do with this you know and it wasn't like okay here's a guitar you know show me what you know okay let's start with a note play this you know d or something yeah yeah uh he was he he literally had me stand up and he had me play my favorite song at the time and he was like now we're just going to jump to the rhythm of the song he's like just jump up and down like you're at the concert and so it was such a different style of, um, you know, kind of learning. It was more learning the rhythmic and the, the art form and the, you know, I guess the showmanship of the thing. And then kind of the skills came afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so That's that was, a good approach. Yeah, it was a, definitely an interesting take and kept my interest in it, you know, in those, right. those early teen years where I could have easily veered in so many directions. Um, I thought that was such a cool thing, and it kind of went from there and, of course, did start learning uh, some of the technical things until, you know, I started asking him questions that he couldn't answer, and then yeah. he was like, you need to go start taking lessons <laughs> from this other guy. And, so what kind of yeah. music were you listening to when you were 11, 12 years old when he first started with that? Um, so by that point, I was... Um, so I have a, I have a, a half brother who's he's 14 years older than I am. So my music taste came heavily from him, and he used to make me mixtapes with, you know, Rolling Stones and um, Aretha Franklin and, uh, you know, just all these all these great old things. All he right. was probably yeah. a bit of a deadhead too, you know, and and uh, so he would throw all these things in these mixtapes. So that was my music. I mean, that was what I listened to when I was about 11 or 12. Um, you know, I had this like faint memory of being a child and seeing this music video on MTV uh, around you know the five or six range, and I was like, I want to know what that music was, and I couldn't figure it out. So I went to my brother and I explained every detail I could remember of it. You know, I was like, and what is this <laughs> yeah. thing? You know, uh, and and come to find out now, of course I know, uh, but it was smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, and I was like, you know, what is that thing that I remember? And, and so we find, finally found it, and of course I went and I got the CD immediately, and you know, changed changed the world of music for me, of course. Um, but that was the that was the the album that I put on yeah. that I jumped to, and that you know. That uh-huh. really made made such a such a pivotal difference in in all of. Were, were your parents listening to that kind of music as well? They weren't. Um, not not anything that that heavy. I mean, um, are they musical? Do they play any instruments? Neither of them play instruments, uh, but they both had really great taste in music. You know, I can remember being in the car and you know, kind of listening to the oldie stations with my dad and stuff, and um, my mom had you know this great talking head cd that i would sneak away from her stash every chance i got and you know so they they definitely had good taste yeah uh that uh that was definitely always around but yeah and i was the first one to really play well i guess my brother was a he played harmonica a lot so oh okay and, so and, uh, you, yeah. i would hear that around the house and stuff but so you ever been in a band or anything like that 
Um, he's, I mean, he's played with countless. You know, he he's out in Colorado now, and he's got some buddies that are doing some some pretty big things, and he goes up and plays with them. Sometimes. Oh, cool. But he, cool. Yeah, I mean, he was the kind of guy that would just bring bring a couple of key harmonicas along, and if somebody was playing, he'd he'd jump in if he could. So he was always around. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of guitar? Were you still playing that uh, that mini Squire when you were 11 <laughs> years old, or did you graduate to a bigger guitar? Or, yeah, no, I, I uh, that that guitar actually got and got, that's the Fender version right. made in Mexico. Yeah, and, you yeah. Know, it was um, instead of rosewood, it's got you know plywood or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who knows what's things. made? What's under that paint? But that guitar went to I I did um, I did some some work at a, at a community theater, the Dune Summer Theater in, in Michigan City, mm-hmm. um, and brought it in as a prop and never got it back. So <laughs> it might still be living out there. I have no idea. Right. Uh, but no, the guitar I play now, um, I got a few years later. It was a, you know, you know, Dad, I need a new guitar kind of thing. And then he looked at what the guitars I wanted at that point in my life cost and was like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> so it ended up being, a, you know, he, he, he split it with me. We you know he, he, the, my parents paid for for half and they bought the whole thing up front and then i had to mow yeah. lawns and pay back the other half over the course of i don't know how many years but um anyway it's a it's a telecaster it's a, an american made telecaster it was made in 2000 american deluxe um oh wow and i love so, it and so you still play with that you learn how to with play it. with that and you're yeah. still that's still your main guitar that's it's amazing. gone i mean i've i've gotten new ones i've borrowed buddies i've you know i i had strats i had hollow bodies of you know done all the things and every time i really start to like something and then and it'll i'll break a string or something and i'll go and grab the telecaster just to fill in and it just it's it's fits you know it's so much right so right. much more comfortable with that than anything else that i i just always end up going back to it so now i just don't even want to try anything else you know i mean i will but i don't <laughs> i yeah. don't have as much of a desire because i'm like i know i'm just going to end up back in that telecaster again so i might as you know did you ever uh, play in school did they you know when when you went to high school or or even junior high did they have any kind of program for I, musical education no, I mean, I think I what I played trumpet. I played trumpet in oh, band yeah, in yeah. school. I did that. Um, I played guitar. That gives you a little broader range of how the notes fit together right. and how it works on other instruments. So yeah, that could always help. Do I you, did a musical. I think one time they 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 had a musical that that I I had a band in high school and you know they hired my band to come in and be the band for the me. I, I wouldn't say hired. They convinced us <laughs> yeah. to volunteer our time, but. Right. But yeah. they chose you. Yeah, that's to exactly. It was a big play. deal. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. <laughs> Is that the first band? Okay, so you had had that band in existence prior to that. Uh, mm-hmm. So what was the first band that you had? What was? What did you call it? The very first band I had um, was called Citrus Nova, and uh, we were in maybe eighth grade. We were doing shows in the old Benny's basement in Michigan City back when that was oh, Benny's. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. was a circuit of that stuff going. It's come on. up a couple times on here. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a yeah. It was a. It was kind of a the strangest of spawning grounds for interesting right, music in right, the area because so. it's like an old man steakhouse kind of place, right? It, yeah, I mean they had they had pizzas. They had a bar that was open. It was right across from Long Beach, so they had all these Long Beach regulars that would yeah. go in there and. Uh, and you know they they had a separate entrance for the basement, so they would let all these kids kind of come down that weren't twenty one. Oh, you know okay. they would go down to the basement and play these shows at, at you know regular Benny's yeah, shows is what yeah. we called them, and 
and everybody would go in and who knows what we were playing you know i mean it was probably terrible just playing it loud and yeah, and stretching exactly. it out and absolutely but that's cool to have some kind of a destination for like all your friends when you're underage and nowhere yeah. else to really go and, yeah. and to be able to play there were there other bands that would also play there yeah absolutely i mean um there was quite a few there was uh let's see so um Lying to Jennifer was there. They were a big yeah, one. Dominic. Yep, Dom yeah, and Jason. He, he, he talked about Benny's. Oh, that's where Benny's yeah, came yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. That's, yep. Yeah. yeah and, uh, I, I played Jason with Dank. them. Jason. Did yep, you? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, a couple times. Um, and Are They Indigo? Uh, so Tim Bauer was the one who his, I believe he, it was his, his dad or his relatives or somebody that was managing or owning Benny's. And so that was the end. Uh, okay. And so his band, of course, are the yeah, go. They sure. would play, um, and you know they kind of got the the whole scene going down there. But it was, uh, I don't even remember some of the other. What names. kind of songs were you playing back then? Back then, oh man, we were doing Led Zeppelin songs, and uh, well, we would do Led Zeppelin songs, but none of us would um, would sing. You know, we would just play them because oh, yeah. we were all afraid to do any sort of Robert Plant. That's still a thing. imitation. Yeah, it's still nobody does that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, Who's no, going to try to match up, Robert like, Plant? You guys right. want to do a Zeppelin song? Like, ah, are you going to sing it? Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we would do that. We did. Um, we did some you know, classic rock stuff. Uh-huh. We did. I, classic I know we rock did stuff. A okay. Grateful Dead song. We did a Buddy Holly song, and kind of whatever you could learn that was few enough chords and you yeah. Know, some of those Grateful Dead songs are not that easy to play also. Right, I mean, right. they've got some pretty complicated progressions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's cool. So uh, what? Ha- so that was an early introduction to getting to play in front of people. And yeah. were you kind of like, you know, the guy in the band in school and people kind of walked down the hall, knew you were in a band? Was it, <laughs> did you have that kind of well, existence growing up? So I had, uh, I've got this big bushy hair when it grows out and i had hair halfway down my back and it just i mean it went out past my shoulders left and right you do have a hell of a hairline i mean it was huge (laughs) and uh so i think everybody knew me because of that you know you know wearing skinny jeans and open button-down shirts and this long hair i was a weird kid and uh so it was what high school did you go to i went to michigan city high school okay yeah so it was it was hard not to see who i was you know at that point and then uh you know i think when they found out i was in a band no one was surprised it's right like right. oh yeah of course you are okay you know this didn't yeah. get beat up for being in a band right because around here it was like <clears throat> you know, they'd be like, oh, you think we're cool? Because we play shoved into a locker. There uh, was yeah. that it's kind like, of stuff? That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like, this is not supposed to be how it's going. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool through the tar. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, if there was that stuff, sort, sort of stuff going on, I was I was not aware. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, so that, you played with that band for a while. Uh, how long did that go on? Through high school? Yeah, we went, yeah, probably, I mean, what I said, we started in eighth grade. We went for a few years after that. Um, we kind of shifted into a into a new group. Um, I played a few shows. Actually, I dragged Jason Dank into it for a little while. <laughs> you mentioned him. Uh, we went to a band called The Style uh, after the White Stripes song, uh, album title was Distil. 
which was German for the uh-huh. style, so uh-huh. we called ourselves the style. Um, not my favorite band name, but it worked. You know, yeah, we did a couple yeah. of those White Stripe songs, and they, that was a, that was another pivotal band for me. You know, when I heard those, you know, yeah, the oh, two yeah. piece Jack thing White. come out, and that with was, such energy yeah. behind it, yeah. So that kind of that kind of drove drove that band and gave me a whole nother whole nother spin uh-huh. of things to pay attention to. So, and I know you write songs. Uh, yeah. When did you first write a song? When was your first song that you wrote? First song that I mean, I had some really wild things written when I was you know eleven and twelve. And yeah. First with that <laughs> that guy. I mean, the guy that had me jumping up and down was. Uh-huh. All for you know oh, he good. was like you made something up he's like make something else up like cool. let's do that so oh he was, man what an inspirational yeah. kind of teacher that guy must have been <laughs> yeah who was he uh, yeah, oh all right Richard well, I know his okay. first name was Richard I couldn't <laughs> tell you his last name though. I don't remember at all yeah but uh, so the style mm-hmm. and how long did you guys keep that was, stay um, together as that band that was a short-lived thing uh, we maybe played four or five shows and uh, you know, towards the end yeah. of high school and that was that was probably about it um and then i went off to college um did you play in college yeah yeah so i had where'd you go i went to iu indiana university in bloomington um the first band that i was in my freshman year a friend of a friend found out i played guitar and they kind of roped me into a project they were already uh melding together was a ska band and you know they were like we just want to do you know a ska band do you want to come and play ska guitar with us and i was like never done it i'll give it a whirl yeah yeah and that was i i gotta say that was one of the most fun times i've had uh, well that's ska music right there you know yeah it was fun and and people i mean for the settings we were playing in you know, it was it was people's dark basements in Bloomington with, you know, all the underage drinking and all of those things going on. And, you know, people just going crazy in general because it was fun and they're out of their homes and all those things that happened your freshman year of college. And uh, we would go down there with a horn section and, you know, it would turn everyone's heads because, you yeah. know, they were used to hearing loud stuff and, yeah. you know, like, you know, punk bands and all those things. But... When we, you know, whipped out our first song was the we were called Go Go Gadget, and Go we would Go Gadget. Open right. every single show <laughs> with the Inspector Gadget theme song. Yeah, you know, so we would, the with drum, horns with horns. Yeah, yeah. the drummer would count it off, and then, and it was like every you know everyone would just kind of look over like what. So did you bring your trumpet for that one? Or? No, 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 you were just I was, strictly on the yeah, guitar. Yeah, strictly guitar, and I didn't even sing. That was the first band that I didn't even have to sing. The saxophone player was the was the lead singer so i literally was just kind of along for the ride and it was it was a blast that sounds <laughs> fun. a lot of yeah. fun but uh any other bands down in uh bloomington that you played yeah with? yeah so after um you know of course the 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 college and high school thing as you grow older people tend to move away and uh so the the ska band kind of fell apart and uh asher Igra, who i had mentioned earlier um, he actually came down to Bloomington, um, so I got back together with with him and Drew Frazier, um, the other guy I had mentioned. Uh-huh. So the guitar player and the and the the drummer drummer yeah. from um, Gateway Rugs. Yes, exactly. All right. So this we started uh, the three of us a band together, and uh, Drew was on bass, and I played guitar, and Asher was on drums, and we did like a three piece, and we were doing a lot of. You know, we were into Black Keys pretty heavily at that point, and uh, so we would do a lot of their songs, and 
Uh, and then the old trombone player, a guy named Tom Connolly, he uh, was the trombone player from the ska band. He came and said, hey, I know this other saxophone player guy. And so they kind of hooked up with us, and we ended up doing a five-piece thing, and we would take all these uh, Black Keys and White Stripe songs, these bands that were the two-piece, you know, heavy, powerful thing, and we would kind of write parts to it, and we would do a full horn section and bass and guitar and vocals, and, you know, uh, we kind of stretched those things out and fleshed them out into a little bit of a different manner, and we were doing a lot of that stuff in, in that band. Uh, it was called Midnight Gravy Train was the name of the band. <laughs> when you were in school, did you take any kind of theory classes or um, music classes? I did. Uh, I actually got a minor in music, um, oh, so right. I did I did quite a few. And uh, IU is the, the greatest school for a person like me to get a minor in music. They had a lot of three- and four-hundred-level classes um, with the title of Rock and Roll History. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I took... I took a general rock and roll history classes. I took the history of Jimi Hendrix was a class. There was one class, yep. history of Jimi Hendrix. There the was, dude was around for four years, yeah. and uh, but there was a lot of history there. There was a, there was a, when I did the history of the Beatles, I did a 400-level class was the history of Frank Zappa. Oh, uh, man. Now, and there's was, a body of music. Yeah. That dude was very prolific. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a 400-level. And a taskmaster. I mean, he yeah. really... Uh, you know, dug deep and expected all of his band members to like, you know, really put all their effort into it. And yeah, um, he had rigorous rehearsal schedules and, uh, you know, even audition to be in his band was just a, there's crazy tales behind that. Who's the the guitar player that played with uh, Zappa? I I remember hearing a new, a uh, radio interview with him and he was talking about how he, you know, went in for an interview and just got, you know, just kind of pulled apart and, and, you know, kind of pushed to create like in this interview and thought he was just like, you know, failed it. But then they, you know, made him the, the guitar player. Is it, like Steve yeah, yeah, Steve Yeah, He's one of many, but I think, I think I, re- I recognize that, that story is. Yeah. <laughs> him telling tough guy to, to work for. Yeah. But, uh, wow, that must have been a fun... Uh, <laughs> it was... I mean, I, I had a blast, and, you know, I was really good at that stuff. I, you know, I always liked watching those VH1 behind the musics and stuff right, like that. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, it was just like one long episode of one of those for yeah, me going to the class, yeah. and then they would, like, test me on it. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. sure, really, what else do you want to know? I'm going to get like, graded get on this? this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Were any of the... Uh, Burnham guys down there at the same time didn't like they so how they we go they would they would come around I I remember Just on the party yeah pretty much <laughs> that's what I remember anyway I think they had buddies that you know mm. that went down there and so they would they would come around when they when they could and I remember doing a Halloween show or something playing along with when they were still in tree yeah right yeah, that, yeah. it's still sort of around tree. Yeah. So I, I yeah I know the I know they were all around. I mean everybody's paths crossed. You know it's yeah. like hard to get away from that Northwest Indiana Southwest Michigan kind of right. core of people. If you travel, they'll find you. You know. <laughs> but that's the great thing about this whole area where you know with the local musicians, it seems like there's a lot of crossover, a lot of collaboration, and you know that makes it just such a great community for uh, creating music. 
Yeah. Well, let's uh, you know what? Let's let's play one of your songs. Uh, you are listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country WRHC one hundred six point seven FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and ninety three point five out of Sawyer, Michigan WRHZ. We're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And uh, you had sent me some um, uh, some recordings of your new band, Modern Vultures. Yeah. Uh, I've got Purple Lion Majesty. Let's play that one, and uh, I want to hear about it a little bit. Awesome. Here we go. All right.
That was uh, Blake Vissing yeah, with Purple Lion Majesty with uh, Modern Vultures. And you were just starting it. We were talking about it during the break how you put all that together. Kind of fascinating. I mean, you. Uh, um, this is a song that you wrote. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, is this a song you've had written for a while or something you wrote recently for Modern Vultures? No, actually, I, I wrote the song uh, with Gateway Rugs, and um, we were doing it um, with that band. And we, I think with that band, even tried it kind of two different ways, you know, two different feels, two different drum beats, and um, it never quite clicked. Um you know, we knew it was a good song, but we just couldn't really figure out what to do with it. And so we kind of just shoved it aside and, and, you know, put it on the back burner and said, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll do that again someday or something. Um, and then when um, when we started doing some of the Modern Vulture stuff, um, I couldn't give it up. You know, I was like, I like that song. Yeah. There's something about it that I really want to do. And so um, I had been... Uh, you know, kind of messing with taking some of my old songs and doing them a different way and just seeing, you know, if I change this slightly, how does that affect everything? And if I change that slightly and, and so that one, I, I was just like, all right, you know what, I'm just going to start it over and keep the vocal melody and, you know, the chords the same, but I'm going to just try and come up with four different rhythms and see which one I like best. And, and, um, when I finally kind of settled on that one, I brought it to Dustin, uh, Dustin, Dustin Lau, yeah, bass player. Yep, and um, you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, what about doing it this way?" And he was like, "You know, at first he was like, well, then I'm gonna have to change everything again.' You know, <laughs> and, uh, I was like, "Well, let's just, you know, let's just try it. Let's put it down." And and um, we recorded it, and in the basement, I've got um, a really, really terrible recording setup. It's a, it's a. <laughs> live music PA, like a mixer that I use for playing shows and things like that. And, you know, it's got a one output uh, that I can run to the computer. And um, so I kind of just recorded it one track at a time. Um, I put down, a, I just kind of sang and played acoustic guitar so we knew where we were at. And then we would record on top of that. I put a guitar down and then a vocal line. And Dustin would maybe add a bass or a keyboard or something. And then I could delete the original track with the acoustic guitar and then just kind of added them in and stacked them on top of each other until um, we started to find things that we liked. And then we had the the capabilities to say, you know, okay, well, that works really well, but that keyboard doesn't seem right, and so we would just delete it. You could pull it out of there. Right. Uh-huh. And, and so it kind of gave us the ability um, to not come up with the best quality-sounding recordings, um, but the ability to kind of tear the songs apart and and put them back together in in the best way possible, um, and so it, it it kind of launched like a like a springboard, a, a way for us to rethink how we were doing songs and not necessarily just do what we thought you know was coolest that we were playing, but really say you know yeah that's cool but it kind of is distracting from like the main theme of this section so why don't we not do it there and let's add it in just at this one part um and so we 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 did that and we started doing it to other songs and kind of used the the basement <laughs> the terrible basement recording setup as uh-huh. a as a way to try and advance the 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 songs and the almost like that. a song writing um exercise yeah. and and then you'll be in a position to play it 
just like that when you played it uh, live. Yeah, and I mean, it, it worked really well. We had um, we had a couple live shows come up, and, uh, you know, everybody were, you know, have our own jobs. We have our other music projects. Everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so, you know, for instance, Matt Sibian has been playing with us in Modern Vultures, and I've been, I was able to just send him the stuff that Dustin and I had made and, you know, say like, uh-huh. hey, does this interest you, first of all? And if yes, like, we've got this live show coming up, would you be able to drum for it? Do you want to learn these parts and play with us? And, you know, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I'd check it out. And then he listened to the songs, and we got together, and he came to practice the first time already knowing the songs. You know, we didn't have to yeah. be like, it's, it's going to go like this, and then, you know, you spend two hours learning one song you know right. he showed up and he already knew it and all <laughs> yeah. we had to do was say you know okay let's let's work on that stop again let's make sure we've got it right and it's um it was really i mean everything happened so fast and so so you have like this harbor country super group you know yeah. <laughs> uh well dustin lau is uh with plays with uh andrew fisher quartet and matt sipian with the uh, sipian family band mm-hmm. and then uh, adam conley plays uh with beer hippies and bone naked and now you guys and so that's um that's great to be able to pull everyone together and do that kind of stuff and um, yeah. well these guys gigs and these guys all all three of those guys um i mean i i i, I just marvel at the fact that you know i'll i'll say like hey i have this idea to do this one thing at this one part and you know i'll show them and I'll say weird stuff almost as vague as I just described it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, they and then pick it right up. Uh, yeah, immediately. You know, they're like, oh, you mean like this? And I'm like, yes, I do. You know, it's, it, they've, they've clearly all had such experience in doing so many different things and so many different styles uh, that, you know, when I, when I have, have an idea or I, I have a goal that I don't know how to reach, you know, um, they're, they're all able to just chime in and dive in and you know come up with the things that are a what i had in mind or b sometimes even better right and are they each um going off of the themes that you create and doing their own thing uh i mean i think so it's um you know i i've i've had i've had both things happen you know i've had uh times where i've showed something to dustin you know and he he will play something um, and then he will say to me, like, is this the theme that you had in mind? And I'll be like, no, but it's great. Let's uh, go that way. Yeah, you know, right. and then there's times where, you know, he'll play something and I'll be like, you know, it's not, that's way too much on, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, heavy setting. Let's like go towards talking heads, you know, and then it just clicks. And uh-huh. he, gets he knows it and he exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a, it's, it's been, it's been really great to, to kind of, uh, challenge their minds, I think, a little bit and say, sure. you know, here's here's a thing, here's an idea, here's, you know, how do we do it? And you're not playing a lot of classic uh, or uh, cover songs that everyone mm. knows. I mean, they're learning the songs that you've created. Right. And so it's not like they can just go and listen to it on, um, you know, on their phones and then be able to come and, and duplicate that in the studio or on, on the stage. They're listening to the songs and then being able to create around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to have an idea of something that doesn't exist, uh, and 
to try to explain that to someone yeah you know and i i often can't find the the right words or the right you know theory or notes or rhythms or uh, cadences or any of those things to 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 do it and um you know i think i think that's where where dustin was really helpful um especially in you know we he and i kind of uh made all of the songs a thing um over over i guess the span of maybe a year or so uh-huh. um you know we in in i say a year or so and that's not like getting together every week it's like when you can because sure. everybody's got a thousand things going on but um you know we started messing with the stuff uh maybe last fall and um is that when you started uh playing as the gateway rugs no so we we had um we'd been playing gateway rugs um maybe for two or three years before that um, and we had we had done quite a few shows, and uh, we were doing a lot of the bars and things in the area, uh-huh. you know, when we were trying to fill your four-hour time slots with, you know, uh, what covers can we do, sure. you know, what can we do, what can we jam out to make sure we get, you know, all four of these hours that we're being paid for filled, you know, and then I'd inevitably come out of the night losing my voice because I've been singing in the you know smoky yeah. bar for forever and. Um, if you're in Indiana, right? Yeah, exactly in Indiana. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was that kind of thing that you know, with a with a new thing that I I really wanted to kind of get away from. Um, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to do it just to have played the show. I wanted to play the show because we have something we want to show. All right, um, good one. And and so, you know, we we um, kind of tackled it, Dustin and I, almost. <laughs> Almost from a business standpoint, you know, we said, let's let's make a product, let's make something, um, and then let's let's take it out and you know let's see who likes it. Yeah. And um, you played a Radiohead song the other night when I saw yeah. you guys on uh, in Michigan City. Yeah. Is that one of the influences that kind of drives some of your? creative process radiohead they're um they're an accidental influence actually i um i played a, a solo acoustic show uh with robert federson oh, um who i'm sure everyone is well familiar too. with yeah <laughs> uh he he invited me out he was playing at 18th street brewery in in hammond indiana right and uh, i think he had a last minute cancellation uh or something oh. for the guy that was supposed to open the show and so, you know, the day before, he's like, hey, Blake, can you come play? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I drove out there, and I just did some of these uh, Modern Vultures tunes, just uh, solo acoustic. And uh, after I got done, there was a, there was somebody in the audience and came up to me and said, you know, I, I hope you don't take this offensively. Um, I mean it completely as a compliment that uh, you remind me an awful lot of Tom York. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, yeah, That's huge nice compliment. compliment, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it kind of stuck in my mind, and I and I kind of realized that there's, you know, there were a lot of things that um, when I listened to some Radiohead stuff, and especially some of their older stuff, uh, you know, Paranoid Android, for example, uh, right. that kind of theatrical, long, and uh, sometimes very heavy and sometimes very light, that kind of... Um, songwriting style that I, I really enjoyed and so it kind of struck me in my mind where I realized how much I really did like Radiohead yeah and um so uh, we literally I mean Adam was in on it we we were talking like hey 
we need four covers because we were going to play a show that was an uh-huh. hour and a half, and we were like, we don't have enough time, so we've got to come <laughs> up with four cover songs to, to throw into this show. And we were like, you know, let's do something that people will recognize. And then I was like, let's do something by Radiohead. You know, like, I don't know what it's going to be. Like, everybody listen to some this week and come back and let's yeah. think of a song we can do. Um, and, and Dustin had told me about um, the album The Benz was the first piece of music that he ever went out to a store and paid money to take home you know he said yeah. that album was like so different. and so i was like all right well and so i kind of put my focus a little bit on that i don't know if he knows that that was my purpose behind picking that song but i was like you know let's let's do something from that album that's such a cool album and you know um right from that time period that that was so cool and i uh that was the title or not the title track i'm sorry it was the opening track it was the first song on the album yeah um and i was like this i mean maybe this one's it so um planet telex is the name of the song and and i looked looked it up you know kind of how to play it and that was another determining factor was like you know some of those radiohead songs we could spend you know a month trying to figure them out and learn them and you know get them to sound good that one wasn't so bad you know and i had uh Adam with his like mothership pedal board, you know, of all these crazy <laughs> sounds. Mothership pedal board. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I told, uh, you know, D- Dustin even said the word. He was like, dude, between all of the pedals that you and Adam have, like, we can pull <laughs> off any Radiohead song. Let's just figure out which one you want to do. And, uh, yeah, and that, and that was one that, you know, I suggested. And even, even at the suggestion, it wasn't like a guarantee, like, yeah, definitely that's the one. Um, but we went downstairs and we just tried the first chord and played it once you know and immediately everyone was like oh yeah no we're gonna we're gonna do that one so what uh what other songs what other cover songs do you guys play i'm just trying to get a sense of you know where your uh, you know inspiration comes from what kind of songs the band plays other than uh your uh, original songs well so my um there's kind of two parts of this so i can give you the the songs that we did cover at the show and then I can kind of give you some of my influence and in, in songwriting ideas um, uh, where those draw from but the songs we did cover we did the uh, Planet Telex um, from Radiohead uh, we did I Want You She's So Heavy uh, from the Beatles right? which is uh, <laughs> such a cool song anyway just in the way that it's done and it does also kind of have is that George like Harrison a, song? Uh, it, I, it was heavy? John Lennon I thought oh, okay yeah but um it's uh that's one that we did in the gateway rugs um for a mm-hmm. for a festival one time and uh it went over so well that i you know i didn't want to give it up i was like i just you know i like the way that song feels and it's got that outro you know weird, like dark yeah, yeah, yeah it's it definitely was, uh, when you think of the beatles you don't think of that one but man it's a good the one white album uh, uh abbey road okay yeah. all right yeah. later in their career right definitely. yeah but um but yeah, so that one always went over super well, and um, so we tried it out, and you know, of course, all those guys clicked right into it and sounded great. So we kept on with it. Um, we did uh, kind of a strange choice. Was um, I don't know if it was strange, but it was just kind of like a hey, should we do this? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, I always mix this song title up. It was I feel free, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I always say I feel fine, which was a Beatles song. It's not the one. It's I feel free by Cream. Um, oh, the old yeah. Eric Clapton and and you know Ginger Baker and you know we kind of we kind of ramped it up a little bit and and you know hit the drums a little harder on it. Well, maybe not harder, but uh, maybe a little faster than than Cream did it. And, faster than Ginger Baker. Well, um. you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But um, Jack Bruce, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we did that one. Oh, and then the last was um, a song that I've uh, I've been really excited to be playing in a band. Um, so one of my other favorite uh, influences, of course, there was Nirvana um, and the Smells Like Teen Spirit thing. But one of my other huge influences was um, David Bowie, um, again, with the kind of theatrical right, right. aspects. And uh, actually with the Gateway Rugs, we had done a show at Halloween one time where we did the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. We did the whole album beginning wow, to end. Cool. And, you know, I got the lightning bolt makeup on and you know, we did the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and that was so much fun. So he is an, another uh, huge one in my life. And so the kind of way to draw from both of those things was we did The Man Who Sold the World, um, which was a David Bowie song that I would say probably more people recognize as a Nirvana unplugged song uh-huh. than the actual David Bowie song nowadays. But and, that's a cool thing. Like, you you know, you dug pretty deep on some of these covers. They're not right. like, you know, things that everyone has heard before, mm-hmm. but they're from bands that, you know, had a real presence when they were around. Yeah. That, so that was good, some good uh, choices. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it we, makes it fun. we wanted to do, you know, the kind of thing where, People would know it, but they wouldn't be. You maybe right. wouldn't be able to name the band, or you know, they'd be like, "I know that song." Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought I thought those were some good ones, and of course the, you know, the Bowie Nirvana combos. So you've, I mean, you've started writing songs when you were in junior high, maybe even later than that, or earlier than that. But uh, what is your songwriting process? Do you start with lyrics and then try to build a melody around it? Do you get a melody in your head and then, you know, get a sense of of uh, what story that's trying to tell and then build words around that? You know, what do you do? Um, so generally, uh, it's it, it usually is, uh, is guitar riff driven, uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest. I, I sit at, at, um, on the couch or, you know, wherever with an acoustic guitar um, and and what I do is I'll start playing um, things that sound kind of like whatever bands I'm into at the time. Um, and so I, I, you know, when I get into a band, like I dive in pretty deep. And, and by that, I mean, I listen to everything they've ever made. And I usually, you know, will only listen to that band primarily, uh, for, you know, the span of maybe three months or something like, and I, (laughs) you know, I just immerse myself and, um, which of course, you know, fairly recently has been in Radiohead. Um, but I, um, you know, I'll, I'll be immersed in, in this band or, you know, sometimes it's a style. Sometimes there'll be a few bands that kind of fall into the same category and, um, Scott, like you mentioned before. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but uh, I will be in that kind of zone, and then I'll pick up my guitar, and I'll just try really hard not to play one of their songs. You know, I'll try to come up with something that, you know, that they could they could be doing, uh-huh. but uh, yeah. is definitely not them. And then, you know, that's the base. That's where it kind of starts. And then it'll take on, you know, wear 20 different hats after that. And, you know, who knows how many times it'll change and be torn apart and put back together in different ways. Um, but, you know, it always it always kind of starts from that immediate inspiration. Um, and, and, you know, as of recent, I'd, I'd say with the Modern Vultures Project, with the newest thing, um, there's been a, a pretty specific list of, of um, Radiohead, of course, as of recent. Um, I was into Interpol for a really uh-huh. long time, listening to a lot of their stuff and just the way that they're 
able to do uh, kind of really specific, seemingly simple, but deceivingly complicated things uh, to make a sound. You know, each person has a place in the chord kind of a kind of a thing. Um, so it was a lot of that. Um, Queens of the Stone Age, I was huge into just, um, you know, kind of their their really rugged take on yeah, some, yeah. some stuff. And, you know, clearly like wearing a leather jacket, doing a, you know, spin out on a motorcycle in the desert kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, I like loved it. I felt, you know, I was like, that's so cool. Um, you know, so I was listening to a lot of that stuff. And then... Um, uh, one of one of the bands that's completely different from all of those that was really influential was a band called Glorietta, um, and it's I don't even know if you could consider it a band. Really, it was this guy um, uh, Matthew Logan Vasquez is his name, and he was the singer for a band Delta Spirit, um, and they were pretty popular. They they gained a lot of fame in in like South by Southwest and some of those things, um, and they were you know internationally touring band and whatever. Um, but he, through his years of music stuff, met a bunch of people that he enjoyed being around at various festivals and whatever. And so what he did was he rented out an Airbnb in um, this town of Glorieta, just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, and they just got together, brought a bunch of recording gear, and basically partied together for a week, <laughs> you know. And um, each person brought, you know, maybe one or two or three songs, and they just recorded them together. Um, and so it was him and, um, uh, I think maybe five other, you know, main players, um, that kind of all put things together, Noah Gunderson and, um, um, uh, anyway, just, a just a few guys and they all got together and just kind of partied and did this thing and the music's amazing. I mean, some of it is, is so heartfelt and, um, just really cool and playing on the area, you know, they kind of incorporated some of those desert sounds into the, the things that they were doing. And, um, how did they do that? Uh, The actual sounds of the desert or just the suggestion of, yeah, like the feeling of being out there? Just kind of lots of reverb and tremolo on the Uh guitars and, you know, kind of like a low hum, you know, some of the guitar, some of the songs were sung in Spanish and, you know, just kind of some of these. Some of these things where you yeah. think of maybe like an old Towns Van Zant kind of, you know, cowboy song style, um, you know, and then they ramped it up and did some heavier stuff too. And I mean, they just, uh, you know, it was very clear that I actually got to go and see them. Uh, they did one tour and that was yeah. it. They did oh, one yeah. album and one tour uh-huh. and they were done. But I got to see them on their tour and, um, you know, you could just see that each one of those people on stage, you know, they kind of, they just lined up. No one was in front of anyone else. Uh-huh. They were they shoulder did that on to shoulder. Purpose. They yeah. just stood next to each other. And they had, you know, a, you know, kind of a backing band, bass and drums and stuff, kind of hanging out. But they, you could just see the friendship and the, you know, the, the that they were just having a good time. They were literally just enjoying themselves and each other, and and it was such a cool thing to me. And the sound that they were able to produce was, I thought, was so genuine. So. Um, you know, kind of uh, that sort of idea coupled with kind of the musical concepts that I'd stolen from all of those other bands that I had mentioned um, kind of led to the, the goal of, of my sound um, that I was going for with this project. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things about music and lyrics and any of those things is that you you make it a certain way and you try to do something and what comes out of it is never that thing that you tried to do. 
right and right it's, you can you can you know say it's this thing as much as you want but at the end of the day when you go back and listen to it you're like no this is this is something completely different and i think that's what so you start with that premise that mm-hmm. you're going to that you're inspired by these different songs and bands yeah. but it really is just creates an impression in you that inspires you to do the writing that you do yeah and and so i i mean it goes pretty simple after that i i take the songs and um that i've kind of pieced together to try and sound like my heroes at the time and um you know and and now that we have this uh, kind of set up in the basement where we can throw them down and then kind of try to do things with them to make them sound the way we want and scrap that and try again and and whatever, um, you know, we just kind of go from there. Sounds like you're in the market for some upgraded equipment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, recording. so actually I've got a, I've got a, um, I have a meeting this week with uh, a guy you've had on the show before, Dave Black. Dave uh, Black, from yeah, he's got his own uh, home studio. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about maybe going to his place and getting oh, some of these things go. done yeah. in a little bit more of a... Uh, you know, a structured manner. Right, right. And what what were we talking about a couple of weeks ago? That if you have to actually go out and press a button and uh, do your own recording, then it's you know, it's not you're not doing it right. Right. You, you should uh, you should have somebody in there who can be objective and well, yeah, provide I mean, some input. And that's huge. Even just even just trying to kind of mix some of these tracks that you've got here, you know, and sitting back and uh, you know turning the bass up and yeah. going to listen to it in the car and then turning the bass down and going to listen to it. And I listen to it a hundred times. And then, you know, I give it to, you know, Matt or my girlfriend or somebody. And they're like, you need to turn the vocals down. Like you're yelling <laughs> through this whole song. And it's like, Oh, you know, I didn't even notice, you know, and you just, you need somebody else. Yeah. on it. You know, you, you can't do, you can't do all of it. You need, you need more. It's, it takes a village. I mean, yeah. that's a real thing. So, Hey, Blake, great having you on the show. We're yeah. at the end of the radio hour. Uh, you're listening to uh, Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM and WRHZ 93.5 uh, FM out of uh, Three Oaks and Sawyer, Michigan, respectively. Uh, I'm John Goldman. We've got Adam Conley, my co-host, here with us. And we're happy to have Blake Vissing uh, with us on the show today. We are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics, and uh, that's the end of the radio hour. Stick around if you're listening to us on the podcast, because we are going to be back in just a moment with some uh, some content that's only available on the podcast. And if you're not listening to the podcast, then definitely look for us, Johnny Secret Stash, on iTunes or Podbean. Look up Johnny Secret Stash, no H. Good night, everybody. Take care. And we're back on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, we're here with Blake Vissing, um, the uh, guitar player and singer uh, and um, from uh, Gateway Rugs, but most recently from Modern Vultures, talking to him about uh, his writing style and his history of recording and his music. so uh, what I want to do is play. Well, you brought your guitar with you. You want to? Are you ready to play some? Ready to play something? Um, yeah, I mean I can play it too. Uh, all right, cool. Let's do that. Turn on that mic there. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
we were talking before, it was really great to see you guys playing in Michigan City out in that art thing. Was that uh, like the last event of that of that um, thing in Michigan City? Because that was kind of cool, you know? I'm not sure. They, uh, so it's, uh, what they do in Michigan City is a, um, the first Friday of every month, it's an art walk. So all the kind of shops and galleries right. along that artist district on the, the north end of Franklin Street uh, kind of stay open from 5 to 8, first Friday of every month. And on the first Friday of August every year, they have the huge boat race and the Taste of Michigan City and all these things. And they always do uh, live music and stuff like that. So the following month, um, September, um, they had some artists doing a, a special banner project, so they wanted to feature them. Um, and so they said, well, let's set up a stage again. You know, let's just do one small stage, uh-huh. get a few acts to come out and play some music. We'll do a beer tent, and the artists can kind of set up all of their, um, you know, their work and, and sell and talk to, you know, the, okay. the community and that sort of thing. Um, so that was different than what they have been doing on each Right. Other. Okay. Yeah, they usually don't do kinda that cool. kind of corner thing. Um but they've got the space for it, and yeah. clearly they have, you know, the sound guy and the beer and all that. It's a pretty cool downtown area, too. Yeah. I I mean, I've driven past there a bunch of times and just never really realized that there's really a bunch of nice galleries there now. And, right. Um, restaurants, and it seems like they're picking up the pace in Michigan City. It was yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, so they, um, they I, I do this first friday of every month um but i think they're gonna try and get the kind of stage and beer tent and stuff like that going for the first fridays uh, again next summer yeah so well it, it was, right they figured it out piece by piece and yeah. it makes it that much easier yeah but it was a really nice it was yeah, a really nice time we had, I, I had fun yeah it was cool nice group yeah yeah i sent adam down the street to a great sushi restaurant and uh you know, it took them a little longer. Yeah, I had no service on my phone. And I know. I oh, no. We were starting at 8.15, so as long as I'm back by 8, I'll be fine. And my stuff was all still in the car. And, and I hooked it back down at 8 and 8-ish, and they're already up there, like, tuning up. And I was like, oh, crap. You know, and, like, two hours later, <laughs> yeah. I got a text from Blake that said, like, oh, starting 15 that's when it early. arrived? Yeah. yeah. And it was just <laughs> After like, the show. thanks, crappy cell phones. So yeah. Like, good thing I knew what time it was. I thought you were going to say that you were on Michigan time, and this no, was this is uh, Central time. No, you were you were uh, for all conscious the of that. railing I do against people not keeping track of the time zone change. I would be yeah. remiss if I <laughs> forgot about it. But yeah. no, it was just like I think they were just ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, yeah. I think everything was ahead of schedule. So, yeah, no, they they ran early, which is never the case. I've on never heard of festivals. That. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, it's crazy talk. Packing my face full of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> to the extent that that's like an oxymoron, like yeah. overeating sushi. <laughs> oh, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone can. All right, Blake, you got your guitar ready, got the mic all set up. What are you going to play for us? Um, well, let's see. Uh, you've already played Purple Lion, right? I played Purple Lion, yeah. yeah. Um, Don't play Moon in the Day. Okay, I won't play that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Which one? I can, I can do the... Okay, I can do... Um, this is called uh, Lose It to the Wolf. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to turn off my mic. All right.
it down There's only minutes till it blows Get down, get down, get down You know you're the only one who knows I got to find Gotta find a place to call my own Lord knows it's mine I'm gonna do it all alone Cause a little wooden house You're gonna lose it to that wolf Strung up, strung out Don't leave me hanging out to dry Strung up, strung up, strung out You know I still don't want to die Run for the hills Run for a minute with yourself Lord knows it kills Toss out those books upon your shelf It's a little wooden house You're gonna lose it to that wolf That was great. Well, uh, what do we call that? Uh, it's called "Lose It to the Wolf." Was that a recent song you wrote, or something that you've no, had around for a while? This is again, um, actually, a, a Gateway Rugs uh, song written in that era. Um, that you know, we tried a few different ways and and revamped and put aside and picked up again, and now it's now it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it had a different life at a different time. Yeah. Did you, um, you know? You were talking about how you create and, you know, kind of how you listen to a, 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 a um, artist's songs and then kind of get inspired. So where did that inspiration come from, if you remember? or Oh, man, yeah, let's see. Because that one I think I even wrote uh, maybe even before the Gateway Rugs were a thing when I was just kind of messing around sometime and it was you know i do a lot of phone recording you uh-huh. know, I'll just record yeah, something just and then i'll flip, down flip back you know sometimes a year or two later and find these old things and um but anyway that one that one was quite a bit back um you know what i do remember i wrote uh the riff on a mandolin um I had a mandolin sitting around and Fun. I was just kind of messing with it. <laughs> and so that was that yeah, I was I was just playing with that and I kind of wrote that riff. I remember the music I was listening to at that time was a lot of um uh Deer Tick um and and actually Delta Spirit and uh you know some of the stuff that in Towns Van Zant actually at that uh-huh. time. 
Um, and, uh, you know, song definitely doesn't sound like any of those things now, but that was, that was what right, was going through right. my head but at that's, the time. So. And, and that's the thing is like the inspiration doesn't necessarily translate to be a song just like them. Right. It's, it's what kind of what you hear from it and what you take from it. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you guys, uh, gate, um, uh, modern vultures and uh, played a couple shows already mm-hmm. have a bunch of songs kind of ready to go yeah uh at least an hour <laughs> yeah yeah we can do we can do an hour for sure <laughs> yeah. do you have anything else coming up um working on it working on it so i think our our next step um within this next week or two which i'm sure some people would laugh at because i've probably been saying that for three months now but uh within this next week or two for real, we're going to put out at least some songs uh, on online oh, so that cool. people can access and kind of uh, be able to hear a, a couple of these original tunes. And and um, uh, so, where would they be able to find that on your Facebook page? Is there yeah. a Modern Vultures Facebook page or Instagram account? Or yeah, like we have we have both of those. All um, right. So we'll we'll be um, kind of putting it out on on both of those at least where you can find it. Um, we've got a couple, um, you know, kind of a, uh, pros and cons list going of a few different, uh, avenues for putting songs on the internet. So I think once we decide, um, you know, kind of which roads we're going to go down and which sites we're going to use and that sort of thing, then we'll kind of put out a big post when, when right. we, so when you we mean like finally put them. Maybe Bandcamp or right. something, one of those kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go. we'll get one of those going, you know, kind of right away, just something that people have access to if they want to look it up. And then, um, uh, you know, kind of next step after that, we, we've we got uh, kind of lined down the road to do some, you know, Spotify and Apple Music and all right. those things. Um, but... Uh, we're gonna it's all pretty fresh i mean yeah. you know it's been you guys have been working on this for a couple of months i know but um it's all just kind of happening now right and it's being developed <laughs> yeah 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 we're we're um really kind of trying to um you know take it one step at a time but also make sure that we're making that next step um uh, you know sometimes you can you can kind of reach your goal and then life happens, and you got to pick up an extra shift, and who knows what happens where. Right. Um, and then you can kind of just uh, plateau out there for a while, and then you kind of have to start at that spot again before you can build up to the next step. So we're really trying to spend a lot of time focusing on, uh, you know, a way to to keep to keep ourselves engaged um, and keep our momentum going, so that we, um, you know, kind of kind of keep cl- climbing that staircase. Yeah, and, and it sounds like you're trying to be purposeful with how you create this band and the music behind it and you're you know not just going to be getting gigs and and covering a lot of songs and stuff like that. You want to you know have modern vultures songs and then have an opportunity to play them either um, where it's recorded and so people can pick it up or go out and play it somewhere. That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, we we want uh, we want people that want to hear this sort of music to have access to it. Yeah. Um, and you know, easier said than done. Um, a, you got to find them. That's the hardest part. But, <laughs> you know, B, you have to make it available for them to find. Um, so, uh, just kind of trying to to stay on track with those things and and you know make it a make it something that that looks like what it sounds you know and this is something that you kind of 
you don't really think about, but you know. Uh, well, the used- whole industry also is completely on its ear from what it was what, maybe five, ten years ago, right. when it was like if you got a record deal, then that was the start of you know any kind of future and it just doesn't work like that anymore i mean no now your people create records in order to create excitement for live gigs and everything happens at a live gig you know right. they sell merchandise or mm-hmm. you know make money from the box office or um or the hat or whatever it is you right. know it's not it, you're not record sales are not um providing the income for the band right no they i mean it's um the the industry has changed, uh, like you said. I mean, immensely, um, and I think for for better and for worse. You know, there's there's all those difficulties that have to be overcome. Um, you know, but now you can also listen to, you know, some person that would have would have never reached your ears from some small town in, you know, Utah or something, exactly. and and you would have never heard that person in your life, but maybe he's your favorite. And yeah. now, now you can you can know that. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. that's the coolest thing. But you really have to love making music. It, you know, it's not uh, something people go into um, without having a, a real desire to create mm-hmm. and and be out there. You yeah, know, it seems like. Uh, I mean, there, I just there's can't, a lot of that. I can't stop. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. like it's Good. it's like right. Not, not that you know, not that I don't enjoy doing it, but. You know, to think of, like... Can't help yourself. Hey, you know, you know, do you want to go and, like, get a job and, you know, be able to, like, have your weekends off and do all these things? It's like, yeah, sure, but, like, I can't stop making music. Yeah. You know, I can't stop having a drive to do this. So whether it's successful or not, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, whether, whether people listen or not, yeah, there you're going to be. Uh, so I know you're playing... You've been playing guitar all this time, but what you mentioned uh, briefly during one of the breaks was that you also play other instruments play keyboard uh um band well mandolins uh, yeah. a lot like <laughs> guitar but uh still with four strings it's a you know it's not exactly a pure transition from uh from guitar work yeah. so uh when did all when did you pick that stuff up or is that just as a um, result of you know you becoming I yeah. mean, you went to college with music as a major so you didn't you didn't take it lightly. You weren't just, you know, spending a lot of time playing music. You were studying under people, studying history of music, and, you know, became pretty knowledgeable about history and theory, it yeah. seems. Yeah. Um, did so you take any songwriting classes when you no, were... No, I never did know. songwriting classes. Do they do that kind of stuff? In- I'm sure they do. <laughs> I have I have this real problem with... Uh, well, it's the it man. started in yeah. You could call it the man. <laughs> it started in elementary school um, in the poetry section of English class, uh-huh. and you know they they told me at the beginning, right, like before we're starting this section, uh, that you know what poetry is, and it is um, you know to read something and kind of gain a feeling from it, and to figure out you know what these metaphors are and what things mean. And, you know, essentially that there are no wrong answers. And that made so much sense to me, you know, of course. Like, you can read four words in a row um, and put a comma in between and then show it to someone else without looking, and it would mean something completely different to them. You can not put a comma in between and show it to someone else, and it could still mean something completely different to them. And that's, I think, what's so beautiful about words and language is that um, it can be interpreted. Um, And so 
uh, I always thought that to say someone is right or wrong for thinking the metaphor goes one way and that's not what it's supposed to mean is just outrageous. I think that, you know, in poetry class I got a, you know, bad test score because I said I thought this poem meant this to me and they were like, no, you were supposed to think it was this. And I was like, well, what happened to <laughs> yeah, at the beginning right. <laughs> when you said there are no wrong answers? Like, what do you feel from it? And I was like, you know, then, and so, um, you know, that, that, that always uh, kind of kind of struck a chord and, and left a left a thought in my mind and you know people will ask me you know hey what's this song about and I'll be like well I don't know what do you think it's about right, you know read right. the things that I, it says and and you know because I the the, the most prime example I have is a there was a, a band did a song and um, I had a, a very uh, close personal family friend who um, he had a heart attack and he passed away. And I was driving to the hospital. You know, they called me at work, and I left work immediately, and I was driving there. And, you know, my phone was just on shuffle, and this song comes on. And it was like this moment where I was, like, you know, kind of coming to terms with what was happening. Like, sure. probably going to lose him. Like, this is the situation. Yeah. And so that's um, um, that's what that song always kind of meant to me. And every time I heard it afterwards, it right. was like that's what those words were talking about. And then I went and saw that band play live one time, and... Um, the singer starts out and before they, you know, they're like finish the song and before they get into it, they play that song. And right before it, he says, and this is a song we wrote about uh, the United States National Parks. And I was like, yeah, nah, that's not that's not <laughs> that's not what that's your not song's, what song's about. about. Like, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's um, for sure that that songs speak to you mm-hmm. in a very personal way. And it could have nothing to do with what the songwriter had in mind or what they were thinking about. Right. Lucas Nelson, you know, Lucas Nelson, Promise of the Real. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys, but they've got, like, a bunch of songs that every time I hear them, like, just resonate, you know, and and I I hear all kinds of things in them, and Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if if that's the way he thought about it, but, uh, you know, who cares? Right. You know, it, it is a very personal thing. Yeah. And... Screw your teacher. Sorry about right, the, you know? that your poetry teacher, <laughs> you know, kind of. You're <laughs> well, wrong. You know, yeah. uh, to, to her defense, she did help me form that very strong opinion that I still hold dear. So you Yeah, know. <laughs> that's true. And so she, there was education there yeah. even despite her, uh, exactly. her ultimate grade that she exactly. gave. <laughs> so uh, to you, what was that song that you just played about? Um, or how did you put it together? You know, what, what yeah, was, uh, I, I mean, you know, the, the inspiration from it comes, um, from the three little pigs, honestly. Um, what a, you know, horrific tale, uh, children's tale, <laughs> right? <laughs> For sure. As they all, all those, seem to be. Exactly. All those <laughs> um, grim fairy tales. Yeah. just crazy. I mean, um, but cruel. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, at the time when, it, when I wrote it, you know, I was, um, uh, I was kind of looking for a place to be, and and um, you know, in the in the broadest sense, I think uh, uh, in looking for somewhere to be, not finding it is um, something that kind of has to happen, and um, not being careful about the way that you find it uh, um, is it can be very dangerous, and so you know, leave it to classic children's tales to inspire a you know song that i would write yeah. whenever but um yeah i just kind of thought about this idea of like you know losing something to the wolf like the wolf is is there it's not going away and um you know 
If you got a little wooden house, you're going to lose it to the wolf. Especially if it's made of straw. There yeah. you go. The story is kind of about being wrongfully overconfident. Too, right. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Aren't they consecutively just like, no, you're stupid. I'm fine with my straw house. Yeah. And he's like, I was wrong. Like, exactly. It's yeah. like, we're fine here. But yeah. No, you're stupid with your brick house. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. And it's, yeah. And I mean, I think, that, you know, I think there are so many things that are just terrible about all of those things. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's um, that's kind of where where it started from. But you know, those are there's there's interlying themes that kind of go in and out of uh, of that idea. So, have you thought about where you want to see modern vultures going? Are you uh, hoping to be able to do more live shows? You have thoughts about an album coming out, or are you just taking it day by day and just you know kind of digging in and and doing the things you like to do and see where it, it's going to come around? No, I mean. Um, uh, the goal is always to tour the world with rock and roll. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the goal. So it's just, uh, how do you get there? And, um, uh, you know, it, it, uh, more realistic, immediate, um, goals would be to get some more live shows. Um, you know, rather than kind of playing in, in spots, it's searching out in spots that I know we can play. There's a lot of friends of mine from Michigan City and um, uh-huh. you know Three Oaks and Harbor Country that you know we can we can probably get some gigs um, but I think we're gonna do you know some of those and, and try and put a little bit of um, you know maybe a 70% focus on stretching out farther than that and you know yeah maybe we only play in Valpo one time in a year um, but then maybe we go to Chicago and then maybe we go to um, you know, St. Joe, and then maybe we branch out, um, go to Traverse City, and you know, I think the sure. the goal would be um, to uh, kind of reach as many willing ears as we can. Um, you play music in the area, and most of the time, you're going into an establishment that serves food and drink, and they bring on bands because while people are eating and drinking, they like to hear live music. Um, and I think when you're doing something that's an all original type project, um, you know, people, those people in those places w- will be supportive of that, uh, but they still want to hear something that they sure. recognize. They want right. to hear you some covers mix in and a couple covers in there. Yeah. So I Draw think in. to, you know, succeed in kind of this idea of doing an original music thing, you have to find the venue. You have to find the place where people are going to watch the music and can also eat and drink. They're not yes. going there to eat and drink and can also hear music. Right. And they exist. They're just harder to find. Yeah. Um, well, and they're talk harder about to that fill, all the time. fill with know. people. And, um, you know, so, the, so really the focus is um, to, you know, try and draw a bigger map and try and find those spots that are doing yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. Well, you know, you got... Uh, you, you know the Murray Brothers, mm-hmm. so Burnham Brewing is always a good spot, and oh, yeah. Livery is a great spot, and Matt's uh, a regular over there. Yeah, we, we got a lot of ins with this band. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and right, and Dustin plays there Between, a lot, too. Yeah. That's great, so. and I think, you know, uh, I heard you guys the other night, and you've got, you know, you're a great front man, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I just wish you guys the best of success. Uh, I want to play, I want to close out and play... Um, this uh, Moon in the Day song. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll close out, and we'll play that to close out the show. Yeah, so this is um, 
uh, it's kind of the the second half of a two-part song, um, and um, the moon in the day idea um, came from uh, seeing just that. I was you know at the beach one day and just kind of hanging out and. You know, you could see the moon come down, and it's you know middle of the day, yeah. and it happens all the time. You know, but it still seems strange every time you see it, and so that just kind of um, it seemed like a like a thing um, that I needed to write about, and and I've got a list in my phone, um, you know, in the notes uh, where I just when I find something that I'm in, I think is cool or inspired by, or even just a word that I like, I just type them in, and then. When I'm writing lyrics, I often reference back to that list, and if I get stumped, then sometimes I'll find something that I had written down, and, and I'll come back to it. Um, so that was the thing where I wrote that that word you know, or that phrase down, just "moon in the day," and uh, kind of went home and and uh, this was definitely a an in, in Interpol uh, time frame song that I wrote. I was listening to them constantly and kind of trying to figure out how to play less notes on the guitar but make them sound like more notes, and. Um, and I just started messing around with this thing and, you know, looked at that word moon in the day and it all kind of spiraled from there. All right, cool. Can't wait to listen to this. Uh, this is uh, Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. I got Adam Conley here with me. Uh, we have been talking to Blake Vissing from Modern Vultures. It's the newest project he's on. And Adam's the, one of the guitar players in the band. So it all comes together. And uh, this is uh, Radio Harbor Country. WRHC 106.7 FM and uh, WRHZ 93.5 FM, underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And we're going to close out with the Modern Vulture song, Moon in the Day. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>